0: Well, guess who has an honorary degree in theology? (laughs) Greta Thunberg. You remember her? She's the climate change expert. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman.
1: This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And
0: yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. So a few days ago, I ran into this story from the University of Helsinki. Yeah, on the other side of the ocean. And the confirmant jubilee of the Helsinki University they got together and announced a bunch of honorary degrees in a number of disciplines and sciences and and yes even theology who the fuck it i didn't realize that the university of helsinki had a school of theology and they and, and i'm looking at some of the people that they have awarded these honorary degrees to and I will tell you that many of them are, they belong to church bodies that have pretty well thrown away the gospel of Jesus Christ, made it a mockery, celebrate sin. But they decided, not in climate science, but they, they awarded a honorary doctorate degree in theology to Greta Thunberg. Well, that tells me that a degree of any kind in theology from the University of Helsinki isn't worth the paper it's printed on. This is a worship the earth girl who has made a living, made a living propagating the false gospel. That the world is dying at the hands of mankind, and we must eliminate so many of us. We must stop all carbon. We must do all these... Hey, Gretchen, are you ready to get rid of your telephone? It takes oil to make those things. Yeah, it does. It takes energy to run those things, and you're not going to get it out of your precious wind and solar. Now, the reason I I bring this up, and and I'm not going to get into a big discussion about climate change, the worshiping of the earth, the manifestations that the Bible says comes from such behavior, and trust me, we're seeing it. And so the University of Helsinki believes that she is worthy of an honorary doctorate degree in theology. I I just don't think that any of us should consider going to Greta to understand the book of Revelation. To understand the words of Jesus. To understand where we are in terms of God's plan for his planet and his people. Because she's not going to know. She's going to know what she has been told to know and to learn. And, and true Christianity was never part of what she's been taught and has learned. It's obvious from the things that she has posted as she's become an older teenager now and moving out of those adolescent years into adulthood. She was a useful person to the world crowd for a long time, to, to give the guilt trip, to go to, before the United Nations, to condemn and criticize. She skipped school to to talk about how the planet would be dead in just a handful of years if we didn't act today. Well, we haven't acted yet, and the world is still here, and another failed prediction has come before us. And so, this University of Helsinki nonsense, and that's what it is nonsense. I don't think I'd want a pastor at a church I attended who has their degree, honorary or otherwise, from the University of Helsinki. And I can think of a number of seminaries in the United States and even Canada that I wouldn't trust either anymore. Now, yesterday we spent some time, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot. I I just want to talk briefly and then move into the direction of the topic that I really have in mind for today. We talked about government failure yesterday on so many levels. And for many people, government has become their new religion. Really, it has. They trust government above everything. And and even among those that claim to be Bible-believing conservatives, many put too much emphasis on elections. Elections. We'll fix the world this time. We will usher in Jesus Christ because we will have the world ready to receive him by just voting in the right politicians. I have met people that think that way. Honestly, I don't. The Bible teaches so emphatically, and it, go back to the Psalms. Do not, I I, I Quote this verse so many times, and and I'm going to keep quoting it until it's received by everybody. Do not put your trust in princes or the sons of men. You know, they're going to fail you every time. Politicians can only do so much. And we are in the United States and Canada, elsewhere. We are very divided And many politicians are now scared. They run frightened from criticism from these woke individuals and all their transgender nonsense and this nonsense. And, you know, it's like most look at Los Angeles right now and the teachers on strike, leaving what, 600,000 students without teachers. They don't care about your kids. They never have. They wanted to keep the pandemic alive forever and never come back to work if they could avoid it. Just keep the paycheck coming. These people are reprobates. Most of the teachers in Los Angeles are disgusting people that are leading your children astray into garbage and nonsense. It is an intellectual sewer. Teachers with their green hair, being super woke, trying to help Jennifer become Johnny, or whatever, whenever they're in school, not looking for a 30% increase in their income. We have a lot of administrators in these schools that are equally as stupid, and I say that sincerely, These individuals are certifiably crazy with some of the nonsense that they push, some of the nonsense that they believe. Our school systems, our public schools in so many of our cities are unmitigated, absolute and total failures. Failures with a capital F and they get an F grade or worse if you could have one. School after school after school where the vast majority of the students are nowhere near proficient at their grade level. They can't read. They can't write. They can't do basic math. They can't think or comprehend for themselves, but they understand all the woke nonsense. They understand that the planet's going to die if we don't do something right now and go green. The new religion and young children, pre-adolescent, are being confused by the satanic forces of gender ideology. and And be honest, this gender ideology stuff is a tool of Satan to destroy children and their and their ability of reproduction. You know, when, when Johnny has his surgery, he'll never father a child. When Jennifer has her body butchered, she won't deliver a child either. And I'm sorry, men do not get pregnant. Those individuals that are supposedly men who get pregnant are women who, with a psychological and mental illness who believe that they're men or believe that they're women or whatever the case may be. And as I, and I think of the people that are failed, our total failure government in D.C. here for the United States, and, and trust me, it's no better in Ottawa. I have a number of listeners that remind me of the silly and stupid stuff that their little man-child does as he travels the globe, embarrassing them. When you look at our government today, and I've used this term before, and I I, I don't like being so emphatic, but it has to be said. Our government in Washington, D.C., In the executive office, which would be the presidency of the United States, the cabinet. It's a freak show. These are not normal individuals. These people are mentally unstable. These people believe in stuff that is silliness and nonsense. And if you dare criticize them, you're called hateful. And they believe that your hate speech not theirs, must be forever silenced. This is what we're dealing with in Washington. Fakes, phonies, and frauds. And many believe in this new woke religion of worship the planet. Windmills, Chinese-made solar panels, its going to save the day. And everybody driving around in their electric cars... In our digital prison that we're creating for ourselves, we have a government that is overspent for decades and has very little to show for it. We have a government here in the United States that has funded unrest across the, the, the planet for 60 years, and they've done it for economic gain. Many company, Look, Eisenhower gave us an incredible warning in 1961. And, and I really believe that, of all people, John F. Kennedy understood exactly what Eisenhower was saying, and he figured it out pretty early on. And to be quite honest... I think that's why he no longer was among the living by November of 1963. And that warning that most people
2: ignored from Eisenhower rings true today. A vital element in keeping the peace is our military establishment. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action so that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. Until the latest of our world conflicts the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could with time, and as required, make swords as well.
0: Then President Eisenhower kind of explained the, the need for a strong military, which makes sense. I understand that. I think common sense in a very dangerous world, it's true. But he also pointed out the danger of such a huge organization with such immense power. And this is the warning That he was trying to give to the American people, and a lot of people never caught it, but I think that John F. Kennedy did understand
2: it. Here's what what Eisenhower had to say. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. And there, there he was. President
0: Eisenhower shortly before he left office in January of nineteen sixty one. I was just a little kid, so I I don't remember watching this on television, but I learned about it you know, years later in high school and in college, heard about it again, and as I look at what he had to say in nineteen sixty one, his his words were absolutely prophetic. Because, see, he didn't just talk about our military-industrial complex. There's some other industrial complexes that get funded by the federal government. And he was deathly afraid. Because, remember, he watched the the buildup for World War II. Now, we can debate whether we should have been there. I'm not going to even get into that. That has nothing to do with it. It is what it is. We... Entered World War II in 1942, after the attack at Pearl Harbor, we ended up in a two-front war. Factories were now making aircraft, armament, tanks, guns, ammunition. On and on it went. Women sewing uniforms, making helmets. Helmets. Even Lucky Strike came out with a metal container for cigarettes to send to the troops. We went into debt, borrowed money from the American people in the form of war bonds to win that war. And we created in the process corporations that became very addicted to government money. I mean, let's be honest. There were companies prior to World War II that were making electronics and things, you know, for the radio industry, you know, radio stations. And there were some aircraft, but I mean, when these companies had to gear up for massive, just massive production, We birthed all these corporations like Raytheon, General Dynamics, and many, many, many others. I'm not just singling them out. But these companies and their ancestors all came into being because of World War II. And as electronics became more intense and computers came on the scene, more companies feeding more things to more of these companies, Growing up in Long Island in the 1960s, I did not live that far from a place called Grumman. There was a massive complex at Grumman, building for the Department of Defense. Now, they build elsewhere now. It got too expensive to build a lot of this stuff in Long Island. And so they moved. And I don't blame them. New York is one of the highest tax rates known to mankind. But I can remember all these AWAC aircraft flying over my house and all the contracts, the government contracts that they had. And, of course, Kennedy, when he came into office, wanted to go to the moon. By the end of the end of the decade, man will be on the moon. And so all around me growing up, the parents of my friends, so many of them worked at Grumman and all the associated organizations and companies that were in in the middle and eastern part of Long Island. It was the military-industrial complex, and you found it out west with with other aircraft manufacturers. You found offices all over the United States and many lobbyists in Washington, D.C., Building the latest and greatest in in weaponry. Making things obsolete. Just as they got new stuff into production. Where we're changing out to more stuff. The amount of money we spend on our military. And the money we're wasting on our military. Because see, here's why I say we're wasting it. Our military has been involved in a number of, of conflicts in my lifetime I mean I was born right after Korea that was a stalemate then Vietnam and you can go on and on when is the last time the United States legitimately and actually won a war with anybody think about that for a moment when's the last time they won a war At the end of World War II, on an aircraft carrier, Japan surrendered. That's the last time. 1945. We haven't legitimately won a war since, but we have spent mega billions and trillions of dollars on defense. Defense of what? We get ourselves involved in conflicts. Coups, government overthrows. And the bankers and those that make money off war as a a profit, they're content with the status quo. Sadly, it's politicians on both sides of this equation that don't see what they're doing and don't care. Eisenhower saw it. We look for these expensive solutions to simple problems. Look at how we dealt with COVID. Same thing. Go out there and spend trillions, trillions of dollars to stay home, two weeks to flatten the curve, all the nonsense that went with that. That's why the government is not your source of hope. That's what I want you to understand. If you're looking to the election of 2024, you're looking in the wrong place. That's not where your help, your health and salvation comes from. It does not come from your government. I'll talk more about that on the other side of the break and bring you a message of hope that you need to hear. We need that message of hope. Do you believe in the work we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? I need to hear from you. You can go to our website, truth2ponder.com. Support us from there. Also, you can mail us a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. Post Office Box 510. P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319, 24319.
3: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The Golden Cow Culture, coming up. Shalom aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn. Your Jewish connection bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. We're receiving a special free gift you're to get and love in a moment. There in recent times, there's been a movement to remove the Ten Commandments, the basic cornerstone of morality in Western civilization, from the school, from government, from the courts, from the public square. Amazing that, that we actually live in a culture where the Ten Commandments could become controversial. What does it mean? Well, interesting. When the Ten Commandments were actually given, the Hebrews turned away and turned towards the golden cow. And in doing this, when Moses saw the golden cow, he smashed the commandments. So what does it mean that the 10 commandments are being removed now? It means we are in a culture that is embracing the golden cow, a culture that wants to get the standard out of adultery and, and covetousness, because it's moving to adultery. It's an adulterous culture, a culture of idolatry, of materialism, of irreverence, of covetousness. That's the whole point. And so we are entering a golden cow culture but you know what whether it's removed or not in the public square it doesn't matter it's written in the new covenant that he has written the law in our hearts so if it's removed from the square we are left as the markers of this civilization we are the testimony so you got to live all the more holy all the more righteous all the more pure all the more spiritual all the more holy to god because you know they could they might be able to take out god's standard of righteousness from the public square but they can never remove it from your heart or from your life. Want more? Ask for Moving the Ancient Markers on CD. Feeling like your walk with God could use a real spiritual boost? We got the answer. A free subscription to Sapphire's Warning uses Directed can revolutionize your walk for victory. Sapphire's yours free and the mystery of the temple doors awesome. On CD, it's our gift to you. But how do you get all this free? Just write down the real name of Jesus, Yeshua, and you dial it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me in some of the most exciting outreaches to beam the word of God around the earth by shortwave radio to every tribe and tongue. It's amazing. And to Israel, the Jewish people who gave you the gospel. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me. At box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's 1111. That's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Or visit us at hopeoftheworld.com. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Be holy, as your Father in heaven is holy. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah. Haderech.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, many of you have heard me talk about what I call the church project, and it's getting closer and closer to reality, and I'm so excited about it. I really am. I'm very excited about this this prospect of, of having a small local church with a literally global outreach. now my wife and I have been spending a tremendous amount of time doing little things like painting and cleaning, fixing plumbing, taking care of some electrical problems, upgrading the audio sound system, and hopefully at some point being able to add cameras. We're we're gonna start with with audio from that building. I'm trying to arrange to even have the services that we do live. And then also repeat broadcast at other times on shortwave and also as a podcast and from the website for the church, which I'll be announcing hopefully next week. We need your help and your prayers to make this thing go. We've met people that have stopped by that have found the place because they're from this area and they've kind of figured it out. And I'm just excited about what God is doing. The door is open. I have people that are coming and volunteering this, I think, in about a week or so. And I'm looking forward to their arrival. There's so much work to be done. And I want to give you an idea of what you'll be hearing. Now, we'll be able to do an entire service. And I'll talk more about that next week. And bring you a message of hope. Now, several years back, I was preaching at a church in Florida and it was my opportunity to preach and I also had shared a gospel lesson with the congregation which became the foundation for my message that Sunday. And it's amazing how this message is timeless and this message fits exactly where we are today. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark The 8th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can give a man in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed. And when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels, the gospel of our risen Lord. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time, as we share in your word, may you open our eyes to see those things you lay out before us, our ears to hear the words you would have us to hear, and receive that that you give us within our hearts. For this we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. Let's face it. These past days, there's been quite a bit of news. Let's be honest about it. From what happened on the 14th, St. Valentine's Day, in Parkland, Florida, to the losing at the age of 99 the conscience and the heart and soul of our nation. The two of these events in many ways coincide with each other. And I've been giving this a tremendous amount of thought these last days, in particular since we got the word that Jesus called his servant, Billy Graham, home. I'm not going to get into any of the politics of any of this. There's no need for me to do that. There are plenty of people on both sides that can fill our ears ad nauseum as they say in North Georgia, until the cows come home. There are plenty of pundits, there are plenty of opinions. I want to deal with what the scripture has to say about the world that we live in, in the light of our gospel message today. My wife and I have been talking about some of these very things in recent weeks, even before some of these incidents Like the one in south of here in Florida occurred. What has happened to this generation? Jesus was telling his disciples way back, almost 2,000 years ago, this adulterous and sinful generation. But the Bible also has made clear that things over time don't get better, they get worse and worse. And worse. Oftentimes, people will ask me the question, because of the radio show that I've done, do you think that life can get any worse? And I'm going, you know, over the centuries since the time of Christ, there have been bad times throughout the world. If you lived in the dark ages during the time of the plague and all your neighbors are dropping dead around you, you would think you were living in a very apocalyptic time. If you lived in Czechoslovakia or Poland in 1939 and 1940, you might think it is a difficult time. If you lived on the island of Hawaii on that fateful day in 1941... How can it get any worse? We can go all throughout history a hundred years, 200 years, 500 years, a thousand. There have always been these times of crisis on the earth. There have always been times of anger, angst, war, violence. Today, though, there is a difference. Especially in what we call the Western world, there is a very fundamental difference. We have lost all our barriers. They have been gradually eroded and broken down. In the course of my lifetime, in the course of my lifetime, these barriers, these things we establish in a society are no longer held by the majority. Of course, there have always been criminals and crime and problems and you name it. There have always been. Always been. Since, well, can and Abel. Think about it. We've always had the problem. But somewhere along the way, There is a God-conscious placed inside of every human being that responds to instinctively know the difference between right and wrong. And we pass that down to our children. This generation of children being raised today, for the most part, has had none of that passed down to them. They are devoid. We have stripped them of their godly inheritance We have taken away from them their hope. And so they look to YouTube. They look to movies. They look to Hollywood. They look to their peers. They look to their video games. They look to whatever entertainment their device can feed to their mind. Because the parents have failed to give them the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We were talking about this this morning. When I grew up, I was taken to church. My friends were taken to church, and many of my friends didn't want to go to church, but they went anyway. Today's parenting skills are, well, let the children choose. Huh? Okay, are the children gonna choose their food, their clothes? Are they going to choose everything in their life? Don't you make any choices for your children to protect, guide, and nurture them? The Bible says raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Train up a child, as the book of Proverbs says, in the way that he should go. And when he gets older in life, he won't depart. Yeah, they may depart for a season, but somewhere, if you raise them properly in the faith... Like the prodigal son, they will return. Today, we have raised these children and we let them decide, I'm not going. I'm going to play with my game because I want to. And we have a narcissistic, self-centered generation that has no scruples, no morals, no foundation, no boundaries, and are led by the device of the day, Google, Facebook, whatever, And then we wake up and wonder, how could something like Parkland happen? And we're surprised. It's the gun. The gun made him do it. If that was the case, there wouldn't be a student left in my high school. We had him in our lockers, in our cars. I wore a Bowie knife on my leg. We never thought twice about using this against our fellow students, we had boundaries. We were taken to church. And you know something? I thank God every day that I was taken to church. Even on those cold, rainy, or snowy Sunday mornings when it's so easy to say, Mom, can we stay home? No. You have not only The obligation to be a church, you have a responsibility because you're in the choir. You don't, we learn not to shirk our responsibilities either. But today, we allow them to shirk their responsibilities without consequence or any meaningful consequence. And we award them with participation trophies. Jesus says, and this is where I bring back the memory of Dr. Billy Graham and the ministry of this, of this outstanding man of God. Let me tell you a little story about him that I learned a long time ago. And I learned this from a man that I worked with that knew him quite well and reminded me in a Facebook posting last night, Dr. Paul Offer, president of Toccoa Falls College when I worked there, knew him as a young preacher when he was about 10 years of age at the church in which he attended. And that's where Billy Graham kind of got his start, practicing preaching in this small Christian and Missionary Alliance church not far from Tampa. Billy Graham had felt the call of the Lord on his heart at a young age, this lanky, young boy with a very funny way of speaking, enrolled to be a preacher boy at Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina, and didn't do very well in school. And Dr. Bob Jones, Sr., had him in his office one day and said, you just don't have what it takes to be a preacher. You need to consider another profession. And Billy, despondent, thinking that maybe he had missed the call, ended up in Florida at a very small, tiny, almost unheard of Bible school because that's the only one that would take him. And then the opportunity to preach at a church the size of this one here when he was in his 20s. And that college president was about, it was in his young teens remembering this guy beginning to develop his skills out of nowhere and went from reading his sermons to little notes to being able to walk out and give a clear-cut message of the word of God. In our gospel lesson today, and how many times has Billy Graham preached this over over the decades? If anybody would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. You know, we live for ourselves today. We think nothing about tomorrow. We think nothing about eternity. We live in this delusion that life, as we know it, goes on forever. But it doesn't. What does the psalmist say? Teach us, Lord, to number our days. We are only given a number. And none of that with any certainty. We read story after story every day about people that lose their life tragically. I even think of a story that happened in this small town in Georgia where we make our home part of the year. This guy was coming up US Highway 441 into Clayton, Georgia, about three o'clock in the morning, and was speeding. A local police officer, when I say speeding, we're talking 75 and a 45. A police officer pulled behind him and he took and this guy took off, made a sharp turn onto a road and heading out into the countryside where we had been staying on a very windy road, ended up losing control of his car and having a wreck. And as the officer pulled on the scene to ask this person to stay put and then get out of the vehicle with your hands up, he refused and instead knocked out the windshield of the car, climbed on the car and lunged at the deputy and tried to kill him with his bare hands and a knife. The deputy in response had to shoot him dead. That guy never expected to be stopped for speeding. He never expected to be within 45 seconds within a wreck and 30 seconds later laying on the ground dying. (laughs) a young teenage girl back this past summer looking forward to going to the University of Georgia I believe valedictorian of her class had a part time job and driving home from work somebody texting and driving missed a stop sign ran into her and she's dead we do not know what time we have. And that's why the urgency of the gospel of Jesus Christ is what it is. It's an urgency. It's not an afterthought. It's not something, I said it this morning, if some of these kids that don't want to go to church will put in one-tenth of one percent of the effort they put into a video game, Facebook, or anything else. They might have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They might see a change in their life. But the parents have been negligent and they will stand before God on that dreadful judgment day and be held accountable for what they have done. Billy Graham preached a very simple gospel of repentance. Even Billy Graham said in his 90s in an interview, and he was about 95 or 96, that I repent every day because I am a sinful and unclean being. If Billy Graham feels the necessity of confessing his sins, who are we? Who are we? to think we don't need to confess our sins. We will continue to see the events that we saw in South Florida, not that far from here, even if they repeal, take away every gun and sharp instrument and plastic knife on the planet. Because that doesn't change the heart of man. We have to reclaim the boundaries while there is yet time. And that's the function and the purpose of a church like this one. To faithfully proclaim that gospel message. It dawned on me the other day as I was going to sleep In my youth was probably my childhood from the time that I was born all the way up through whenever was the heyday of the Billy Graham Ministries. To reach 212 million people in person, not just on radio and TV, we're talking in crusades. It's a lot of people. The population today of the United States is 300 million He preached to the equivalent of two-thirds in person of our population today. When he started, the population of the United States was only, what, 150 million? Quite a ministry for a failed preacher boy. But then again, God does not often call the qualified. He himself qualifies his called. The sooner we recognize that, the better off we are. I don't need the accolades of men to do the work that God has called me to do. I will do what he calls me to do faithfully for the rest of my life. Billy Graham said we have to give it all to him who has redeemed us with his own precious blood. It's up to us. And over the years, as he got older, and the crusades became less and less as he got older and unable to do it, and as his influence has faded as the conscience of this nation, it hits me, the decline that we have seen at such a rapid pace within one generation, In less than a generation, we are where we are today. When I was a child in Hicksville, Long Island, the majority of the people on any given Sunday morning found their self to a place of worship. And if they were Jewish, they found themselves on Saturday at the local synagogue. Today, it is estimated that less than 18%, no longer 70 and 80%, less than 18% may find their way to a house of worship maybe once every two to three months. Wow, what a different place we live in today. How many children are being told in Hicksville today, you don't have to go. I guess they get to make that same decision when it comes to their jobs and everything else in life. They just get to do whatever they want. When God is no longer taken seriously, when we teach our children that there is no God because he's not important, and the only thing of value are the things that we buy, the things that we possess, and the things that we end up with that attitude using and abusing, we're gonna have the incidents like Parkland over and over again until Jesus mercifully breaks through the sky and calls his children home, Heavenly Father. We live in a world that needs you desperately. We have forsaken you, we have turned our back as a nation from you. We have literally sacrificed this generation of children on the altar of Baal. We have despised your name in our print and in our media, in our social networking, and within our culture. Lord, you could righteously send your judgment upon us. But Father, you are merciful. And Lord, today we come before you, this congregation, asking for a revival of what you can give us of your Holy Spirit this day. Lord, we pray for our nation, its leaders, And we pray for a revival in our land. Your word promises that if if we will humble ourselves and pray, you will hear us and can heal our land. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. In
4: peace we have come to pray and to seek the Lord today for salvation from His hand, for the healing of our land. Let us pray.
0: Under with Bob Beerman. I hope that message meant something to you today. I hope you learned something about the importance of fellowship, of being connected with God's people. I know it's becoming more difficult. The pandemic showed us how quickly a church can be shut down. That's why this church project is so vital to me. To give me an opportunity to put something together. And I really believe God is going to bring the people to me to make this all work. And for those that have no church home, that are stretched across this country, across Canada, the English-speaking world, you'll have a place that you can attend if you have nothing else. I don't want to be a substitute, but I want to be available to those that will need it. I really believe in what it says in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7:14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and i will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now listen, that's not going to happen at the ballot box. That's going to happen in the church. It's going to happen on your knees. It's going to happen in the waters of baptism. It's going to happen by accepting Jesus Christ as your lord and your savior and your hope and your salvation. Your salvation is not the ballot box. Your vote should always reflect your faith, not the other way around. Would you support this ministry? We need it now more than ever. We're so close, and here we are another month almost here. Would you consider making a check payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address, by the way, you can support us from the website as well, truth2ponder.com. Mailing address is... Make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. That's Post Office Box 510. Chilhowee, Virginia, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. The zip code in Chilhowee is 24319, 24319. 24319.